episode of Renoites. My name is Connor McQuibby. I am your host as always. Good to have you here with me. This week on the show, I'm speaking with Jamie Chapman, who runs Pineapple Pedicabs. You may have seen her pedicabs, bike cabs, driving around town at local events, the Aces games. Jamie is awesome. We had a great conversation about the pedicab business, her love for bikes and interest in pedicabs and how she brought them to Reno. We also talked about dog rescue, her efforts to have a dog park created in her neighborhood, and Burning Man and the unofficial quasi-Burning Man that may be happening this year. It was a great conversation. I am so grateful that she came on the show. Before we get into today's episode, a couple quick notes. First, thank you to everyone who came out and said hi at the Pride Festival the other week. I had a booth at Pride, and it was fantastic to see so many wonderful people and meet some listeners. Thank you very much for saying hi, for buying some merchandise. I really appreciate the support, so thank you so much for that. This week's episode is brought to you by DJ Trivia. As most of you know, I host Trivia for DJ Trivia at several local venues in town. If you haven't come to play DJ Trivia, please do so. Go to DJTriviaNevada.com to see all of the locations, or send me a message if you want to hear where I am hosting, and you can come play with me as your trivia host several nights a week. This episode is also brought to you by This Is Reno. This Is Reno is our local news source for the Reno area. If you want to know what's going on in Reno, they have local reporters covering the local issues that affect us most here in Reno. So go to thisisreno.com, sign up for their daily newsletter, which has all the headlines, and subscribe. It's a really great news organization, so they deserve our support. As always, you can find me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or shoot me an email. Connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renowhites.com. And now, this week's guest, Jamie Chapman. Jamie Chapman, welcome to Renoites. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yay! Thank you, Connor. I'm excited to be here. Most people in town might know you from Pineapple Pedicabs. That's your big project right now. I've seen you guys out and about. I've seen you at Food Truck Friday. I know that you have tours now. So the best place to start, I think, is to tell us, what is a pedicab? People who don't know what a pedicab is or how the pedicab business works. Can you just explain what pineapple pedicabs is and what you do? Yeah, I actually think I'm getting pretty good at explaining what a pedicab is because when I first came here, people didn't really know. They're like, what is that? Are you going to Burning Man? Where do we rent these? Um, and so a pedicab is a bicycle taxi. I like to say it's a rickshaw, but you're not running. Your driver is cycling. So it's just like a giant tricycle that fits two to three people. Gotcha. So how, where do you take people? What is the, the business model look like? We have two different really like styles. Um, we do tours like you mentioned, and I have four preset tours and you book those online or Instagram or call and there's specific meeting spots for those. So those tours work like just like regular tours, you know, and I get to show the underbelly of Reno, the art scene that we're way more than just a casino town, which is very exciting why I started the tours because Reno is such a cool town. Um, and then we also work like a regular taxi. We're an environmentally friendly taxi. So you can hail us down. You can call and request a ride. It works exactly like a taxi, just with a a smaller area. So we're mostly in downtown, midtown, but we go all the way to the GSR, Atlantis, Pepper Mill, anywhere that the speed limit is 35 miles per hour or under. 
Oh, well, I didn't realize that you went that far. I always think of the pedicabs as being just really kind of short distance right around downtown, knowing that you go all the way out to GSR in Atlantis. That's a little bit of a, a hike for the the drivers, right? What's it like for the driver's experience as far as pedaling people around all day? Well, yeah, I think I know it's like 1.7 miles from the Reno Arch to GSR. I think it's 3.2 miles from the Reno Arch to Atlantis. I, and those rides are, are pretty rare. But you do get them. And I think that's like a huge question when people come in for an interview. They're like, can I do this? Is this hard? And I'm like, yeah, it, it is actually hard to learn to drive a pedicab there. It's much more up, upper body strength than I think a person you, you figure it would be. It's it's That's like the most shocking. But we have gears and you get in shape. It forces you to get in shape. I say like two weeks and and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll crush that Midtown Hill now. doesn't even matter. <laughs> right. On. Have you always been into bikes? So I know pedicabs and bikes are they're related, but it's not like anyone's cruising around driving a pedicab around the neighborhood or whatever. Pedicabs are not a normal biking activity unless you're in the pedicab biz. So how did you go from being a regular bike rider or were you always a regular bike rider into the pedicab biz? I've always loved bikes. And I think you had Kai on and he was talking about the freedom. And it was like that first freedom. You're like, oh, I can ride a bike and I can go wherever I want. And so I had that as a kid for sure. But I think I really got into bikes actually in Portland. I like got a bike and I, I worked on it and, and I started biking everywhere. It, it just kind of progressed. I first learned about pedicabs in Newport, Rhode Island. And then I started riding pedicabs in 2012 in Key West, Florida, and my my love for bikes just grew. I was like, oh my gosh, I love trikes, I love bikes, and so much now. I mean, I'm kind of like a bike collector. If you come to my house, it's 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 slightly scary, and and I like getting them and rebuilding them. I've I like to bike tour. I I think that people, there's like a certain breed of people and you like get into this biking scene and you're just obsessed with it. Like kind of like takes over you. It's like this freedom and it's environmentally friendly and the bike, a bike is just so simple. It's like, I think man's greatest creation, you know, it's, it works with your body and it's phenomenal. That's awesome. Is there a big bike culture in Reno? I know there's this Reno bike night that I think is on Wednesday nights that I follow on Instagram and they have these like giant group rides. And I talked to Kai and the Truckee Meadows Bicycle Alliance. I know there's the Reno Bike Project. What's Reno's bike scene like as far as uh, people connecting with each other and like bike culture in Reno? I think I, I guess I'm not too into the bike scene. I've done the Reno bike night on the pedicab. We, I think it was like the last Wednesday and I'm not for sure. I think they did used to do them weekly, but I, as far as I know, they're doing them monthly though. There was a real big bike event that seemed to go all day a couple days ago. I don't know if you saw all those cyclists around. I'm still trying to figure out what was happening there, but there's like alley cats. And, and I think a lot of the bike scene is, is pretty awesome here. I, I know that our streets are trying to become more bike friendly. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to ask about the friendliness to bikes because for the pedicab business, you are biking around on these streets all the time and carrying people around. What has that been like in Reno as far as do you bike on the road? How do the speed limits work? Uh, is it safe to be a pedicab passenger and driver in Reno? 
what's that experience been like? Yeah. So this is a fun topic because of the bike lane situation in Midtown. And I know it's very debated and my views are slightly different than Kai's on it because I, I believe that you put bikes and pedestrians on the main pathways and you have cars go to the side street. Um, that's, that's my personal view, but I mean, that's also my business. And so there's no way, I mean, the pedicabs will be on main streets. We're going to be on Virginia. Um, which is, it actually is really safe. I've, I was shocked with the new Midtown roads. They are actually big enough where I can get over and cars can pass me. I feel like maybe it's more of an issue of cars having the confidence to pass me, but my pedicabs are big. They're, they've got tons of lights. There's the TV on the back that run ads. And I even put, um, a couple like slides on the TV that are like, I'm sorry you're stuck behind me, but enjoy the view, you know, and thanks for being patient. Enjoy the free entertainment because there are like slides that are all that run across the screen for local businesses. So mm. it, um, it kind of works that people are stuck behind. Yeah. Me. Um, <laughs> you know, no, one of the things that I like about the, the pedicab biz and with the tours that you do, and I've had a couple of guests and talked about this before is these businesses that help other businesses and they're kind of these partnerships. So I work for DJ trivia and there it's like, we bring a crowd to the bar on a slow night. So it's win-win for us. It's win-win for the bar. It's win for the customers. I used to be a tour guide myself and with Reno food tours. And what we did there was again, like we bring people to the restaurants. It lets the restaurant show off what they have. It introduces people to new places. And it seems like the pedicab tour is another one of those kind of things where it's, a win for you. It's a win for your drivers. You have the brewery tour where you're bringing people to the breweries. Can you talk a little bit about how the, the tour element of pineapple pedicabs is kind of like a collaborative effort with the business community or the arts community and, and how those things kind of tie in together? Definitely. Um, so I started with the biggest little midtown tour and I just, I was like, I live in Midtown. I was seeing all these murals and I kind of coming from Key West, I was very into the idea of tours and I didn't know the tour, the tourism scene necessarily in Reno, but I knew that tourists came here and I was like, I can make people's vacation and I can show them this of Reno, which was really important. It was the same thing that was important to me in Key West is showing people the real side and making them feel like a local. And so I started with the Midtown Mural Tour and I started just like reaching out to the artists that I found on the the mural, like their signature. And I was like, oh, this is Eric Burke. And I started just like cruising around on my regular bike and learning the tours. And I found Art Spot Reno the by Geralda, right? And I started like reading all of her stuff and watching all that. And it became so much that I was like, I think I'm stealing this from her. So I actually reached out to Geralda and I'm like, hey, like at this point, I want to like offer you something. Like I'm using a lot of your information and I'm super, super grateful for you and all the art that you've brought and all the information. And so I got to meet with Geralda and hopefully we end up working together now. And the Midtown mural took off. So I started a downtown mural. And yeah, now the latest tour that I have is the brewery tour. And it works really well to collab because I went to these breweries and they were 
more than excited to be like, yeah, let's work. Like you can only bring, you know, they, they were excited about the small crowds that I could bring my, I can't, you know, I'm not like the brew bike and I can bring like 30 people to you or however. I don't know. I don't think their bikes fit that many people. Actually, right. More than a pedicab though. More than a pedicab with, I can bring like two, three max. Um, yeah. So we just started working together. It's this cross promotion and I'm hoping to eventually do a distillery tour and maybe a wine tour and we can, I can collab more. Um, I was just talking to Larry at Rum Sugar Lime about doing some fun stuff in Midtown with the businesses. And, and so I think it's really great that I have this, I have the opportunity to really promote, to promote events. Like if a Midtown is doing a block party, like I can, I can be in downtown and be like, Hey, you guys want to go to this Midtown block party? And my outreach is so huge because I get so much attention. Cause people are like, what is that giant tricycle? Mm-hmm. And it, it's, yeah, it's really awesome for helping promote events and, and local businesses. Yeah, totally. Well, and I know you like, you partnered with the aces too. I've seen like the big aces flags on the pedicabs. Yeah. The aces, we're trying to like make it a thing. Like if you see the aces flag on a pedicab, you know there's a home game. And then if you ride in a pedicab, there's even a promotion that you can get for tickets to an aces game. So we could kind of go back and forth. And we have a little commercial on the aces TVs during the game. So it's like, don't forget to take your pineapple pedicab home from the game. Oh, that's rad. Yeah, it's super awesome. I mean... I can't say enough amazing things. This is the first business I've ever started. And I was brand new to Reno. I moved here May 15th and my opening day for the pedicabs was May 17th. And (laughs) so I was like out on the street. I barely knew Reno and I just kept talking to business owners and people. And it was like so overwhelmingly welcoming that I felt like a local right away and people were helping me and giving me tips. And I worked a lot with entrepreneurs assembly, which EA they're called something different now. I think they're called like biz assembly and they were super helpful and score and Larry at rum sugar lime has been great. Everybody was just so, so amazingly welcoming and, and willing to work with me. And when was it you said May, but that was not this year. That was what last year? 2019. Year before, 2019. Okay. Yeah. Cause you started pre pandemic and then you had a pandemic year, which obviously mm. was probably a, a challenge because people weren't out as much and businesses weren't open as much, but how did you get through the pandemic times? And I think that was also part of when you started to grow was part of last year too, right? What was that experience like, like the last year or so? Yeah. So I opened May 17th of 2019 and I wasn't open a complete year before we got shut down. I started with one pedicab. I got a second one that first summer. I think I was open three months and I got a second one and I was saving for more. We got shut down, but I, I mean, to be honest, I was super grateful. My, my business has a very, very low overhead. I run it out of my house like you saw today. So I was really lucky. I could just kind of lay low and ride it out. I also got some grants from the city, which was really awesome. And I think the pandemic and just challenges in general are really when you get to shine or like fight. I like being pushed in that corner. Maybe that's like the entrepreneur in you. You're like, I'm going to survive. So we started, 
I put the screens on the TV at that point because I was like, okay, people need to get their message out. And how can we get their message out? I have like this awesome way to deliver a message, but I can't really have writers. And how do I get the message? So we put the TV screen so I could run ads for local businesses, get their information out. And with that, then I bought three more pedicabs. And so now I have five. And also during the pandemic, we started the tours because things were so wishy-washy. Like, how are you going to keep the pedicabs clean if I'm going to take new guests in off the street? So I was like, oh, if people reserve, they had to reserve tables at the restaurants, right? And so if they can reserve online, then they can, I can control how many people are in the pedicab. I can clean the pedicab afterwards and really took off that way. So we just, we did tours a lot during the shutdown, the city, let me do that. And then we opened back up. I think we've probably been open. I think we started doing like the taxi cab side of things maybe in January or February of 2021. But if it's not, I don't know. I, I've been joking about this lately because even the smoke has been shutting us down. So we were shut down because of the pandemic and, and now we can't ride because the smoke is so bad. So, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another, but we're surviving. Is the smoke a bigger concern for passengers not wanting to be out and about and people just aren't taking the pedicabs when it's smoky? Or is it also for driver health? Like no one wants to be pedaling and breathing hard when it's smoky and nasty out, right? Like which of those is the bigger impact? Or are they both like pretty much uh, business killers? No, um, no, they're not. People want a ride no matter what. I get calls no matter what the smoke level is. I mean, it was like almost 400 with the air quality and people were calling and I'm like, no, I'm sorry. All the pedicabs are, are, are in today. They're like covered up and hiding from the smoke. So we shut down if um, the AQI or air quality index is 150 or higher, which I think is the same one, the same rating for the Reno pool and, and outdoor activities. I think with the city, there's is 150 or that's what I had read. And so I just don't, I don't allow the drivers to, to work. I think it's, it's not healthy. It's not safe. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully it'll stay a little bit clearer as the summer kind of continues. It was really bad for a little while, but it's, it's cleared up lately and I'm hoping it kind of continues that way. Is that the forecast? I, I, I like that optimism. Yes. No more smoke. No more fires. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I don't look at the forecast. I just hope it's probably not the most effective way to know what's happening, but I'm an optimist and I'm just going to cross my fingers, I guess. It looks a little blue out today. So that's great. It does. It does. Yeah. It's, I think it was like 80 when I just checked when we were talking earlier. Uh, I also wanted to talk to you about dog stuff because there's this project that you're working on that I'm following on Facebook to create a dog park at Wilkinson Park, which is in your neighborhood. And I'm super big on dog parks. And you also do pet rescue stuff. And I think that's kind of like a cool project that you do as well. And you have a wonderful dog. What's her name? Bill? A girl named Bill. Bill was also a rescue. She came from Merced. So I got Bill the day they were going to put her down which was also the day that Bill Withers passed away. And so Bill is named after Bill Withers. So she's a girl named Bill, named after a great musician. And even her caller says, ain't no sunshine when she's gone, because we were big Bill Withers fans, and now I'm carrying that on. But I got involved with um, some women here in Reno 
rescuing dogs at a kill shelter in Merced. And so Merced County is in California. They're a kill shelter. They are not the only kill shelter, which I think we need to raise more awareness because before I got involved with this, I, I didn't think kill shelters were a thing anymore. Right. I mean, you're like, there's no way that's so barbaric, but they are a thing and it's a very real thing. I think they, it was like 90% that they put down the dogs at in Merced. And most of these dogs are great. I mean, Bill is a purebred German shepherd. She's amazing. You've met her. Uh, I got Bill, I think she was around eight months old. It's been an amazing experience working with with these women and so how it works is there's a woman at merced that goes and she analyzes all the dogs because some dogs are too far gone at this point they're like you can't rescue them they're aggressive they're whatever those have to be put down unfortunately you know this is just the way the world works but there are these amazing dogs like bill and i also foster i had a foster named bosley and he just got adopted there's all these amazing dogs that have just had a bad run of luck and now they're at this kill shelter so there's a woman there she goes she meets them and she sends them all their pictures and little details about them to a woman named sally here in reno And then Sally works with other women and me and Jen at the nonprofit called Possibilities. We work to try to find fosters for all of these dogs that need homes. And so you'll see my post on Facebook. I'm pretty obnoxious. And next door, I'm like constantly like searching, searching, searching for people that are open to fostering or adopting these dogs. Then we have some other people then that go to Merced or live there and they'll take the dogs and we do a transport and we get them to Truckee where then in Truckee, either I go pick them up or Jen picks them up or someone else. And they bring the dogs to Reno and we distribute them to their different fosters. It's a really cool way to, to just feel like you're helping in the world, even in just a small, maybe a little bit, but you're saving a life. So if you're interested in fostering, reach out, please. (laughs) Yeah, I had not realized that there were that many shelters that still kill animals because you hear about the no-kill shelters a lot, but I suppose it does make sense that there's a lot more shelters, maybe a little more under the radar. They're not advertising that they're kill shelters, right? Yeah, exactly. And and it's not just full-grown dogs. I mean, we rescue puppies, puppies that they were just going to like kill all of these puppies and you're like, Oh my gosh, if I put a post up about puppies, they're gone in seconds. And it's just the outreach. I don't know if they don't have it or what. I mean, and it's not like these people that are working at Merced are bad people. And I mean, Oh my gosh, I can't imagine doing their job. I feel, I feel terrible for them. Um, but you know, it's, it's really cool. I think the, the last transport, we had something like 24 dogs that were going to be put down that got saved that day. And I mean, I don't even think that was 50%. It was, it's like been a real, a real issue. You know, people got dogs during COVID. I got a dog. I got Bill during COVID. It was like a great support, but then things open back up and you're like, want to travel and the realities of having this responsibility set in and people were just turning their dogs back over. Tell me how things are going with this dog park project. So I follow you on Facebook. You made a group for it. And I know I've seen you on next door. And I am very appreciative of how much neighborhood inclusion seems to be 
part of this. So you've had meetings with the neighbors, you've talked with the city, you're going through all these official channels. So tell me about Wilkinson Park, why you think it's a good spot for a dog park and how the this project is going. Yes, I love talking about this. So uh, Wilkinson Park is down on Taylor Street by the VA hospital. It's a considerably considerable size, right, for a park. I've never done anything like this before. I've never been involved in a city project or tried to do anything. But I first moved here. I just bought a house and right two blocks from Wilkinson Park. And I was like oh, so excited. I was taking Bill there. And everybody there had their dogs off leash. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I I don't know. Everything I've ever learned is like it's wrong to have your dog off leash in a park or somewhere that it's not allowed. And everybody there was like, no, this is how we've done it. We've done it for years. This is fine. Slowly, like you could see that there were issues, right? I mean, there's people that want to take their dogs there with leashes. And I kept seeing these situations happening where where there was a dog fight at one point or dogs like I think grabbed a piece of pizza off. Someone like was having a picnic and it's just, it's, I wanted the park that's so close to my house to be more inclusive for every person that was visiting there. We have fields for soccer. This is actually kind of what really things, what started it was there was a dog or what I've heard. This is what started the crackdown on dogs not being on leash at Wilkinson Park was there was a soccer game going on and a dog, an off-leash dog grabbed the soccer ball and wouldn't give it back. And the entire soccer team called and complained to the city. And so when I went there, I didn't know this situation happened. I went there and the dog cops were there. I keep calling them dog cops, but animal control. And the woman came up and she was like, Hey, you guys, this is a warning. We will, we will be writing tickets and we're going to be here more. We've had some incidents and lots of people are calling and complaining. And I was like, this is perfect. I was just talking about starting a dog park. And she was like, you 100% should. And she was the one that was like, call the city, call parks and rack and see what, like what you need to do to do it. And so I actually started researching and I got it a hold of Sharon. Oh, I can't remember Sharon's last name right now. But Sharon was is the woman that made the biggest little dog park. And so I reached out to her and she was like, you need to get a hold of Jamie Schroeder and Matt Bazina and talk to them and just see if the park is viable. And that's like the first step. So I was like, okay, so I called Matt. I called Jamie. Amazingly, Jamie actually called me back. We talked about the viability of the park and I had looked at other parks in the area where like Plumas Park is having a huge issue where they've been trying to start a dog park and they couldn't and there's just too many boundaries they they can't get past or hurdles. And so Jamie's like, give me a little while. We're going to look at Wilkinson Park. And she came back and was like, we can move forward. And so I, at that point I started, I started the group. I started posting little like QR codes for people at the park so they could get information about it and doing this outreach. It, it felt very important to do an outreach because there's so many people there with dogs on and off leash that this was just a no brainer for me to that a dog park that people would be involved in and want to be involved with it, which it turns out a lot of people do want to be involved with it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great. And on the positive and the, and the negative side, I think there's always both sides to a dog park, but 
as of right now, we're moving forward. We uh, got the tree. There, there were two issues with the dog park, which we were worried about the trees. Wilkinson Park. I don't know if you've been there, but there's a bunch of different trees and the trees were planted a couple years ago and they're all different types of trees. And from what I've heard is they did an experiment with the trees and planted a bunch of different types of trees to see which survived best in Reno. I actually asked the city about this not too long ago. I haven't heard back if that was, if that's just a legend or if that's really why there's so many different trees, but it was an issue to see if the trees would survive dog urine, right? We had to talk to a bunch of arborists and um, we actually did just get that approved that they do think the trees will withstand in that boundary. I think there's enough like outside area. And then right now we're waiting to talk to Envy Energy or I guess hear back from them to see how much space they're going to need for the telephone poles. There are telephone poles lining the area where the fence would be. So we're waiting to hear back from them. And so this isn't a done deal. We are moving forward. We aren't putting out surveys or anything yet just because we do want to make sure that that the park is completely viable and Envy Energy is okay with us putting a fence along those telephone poles. And so, yeah, we're just taking it step by step. But the city's been so amazing. Jamie Schroeder's been amazing to talk to me and is super responsive. And, yeah, I'm just more great things to say about Reno. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's good to hear that the city is helpful and that the process has been good working with them. And I generally like the idea of making parks more inclusive, more accessible, just giving more people reason to use the park and less excuse not to. And if dogs off leash was something that was keeping people from getting the most out of the park and having a fenced off leash area is a way to let people with off leash dogs, with on leash dogs, with people playing soccer all to take advantage of the park. That seems like a win all around. Have you found the neighbors that you have talked to, to be generally receptive to it? Or have you gotten any kind of pushback? What's that been like dealing, not just with the city, but with like people in the neighborhood? Most people that I speak with and I, but I, I am in a dog community, but most people are very pro. I have had a little pushback. I've gotten really good at, or I've tried to be more open-minded and like see the big picture. And when I respond, I, I try to do it um, with empathy and, and understanding from the other point of view from people that don't have dogs or are, aren't understanding that are, that are just really jaded. I feel like most of the feedback I've gotten, people are upset because dogs are off leash there and they can't enjoy the park. And the idea of making Wilkinson park, a dog park is a scary idea because you're inviting dogs in. So I've gotten better at explaining that I just want to fence a part of the park and that part of the park then would allow those off-leash dogs to just be there so people can enjoy the other parts of the park. And so I'd say that's that's mostly the pushback that, that I've received. And I really wanted to hit the pushback, get any negative feedback or whatever from people head on, which is why I put it on Nextdoor and Facebook and Reddit and just to see what people's feedback is. Well, it's, it sounds generally good. And I think that it's important to explain to people that if they don't want to be bothered by off-leash dogs, then making it a fenced dog park area is the solution to, to their concern rather than something to be concerned about, right? 
Exactly. And I even had, it's funny, yesterday I had someone bring up the issue that they were like, well, I bring my dog there and keep him on a long leash, but they don't get along with other dogs. And now there's going to be rules and I can't bring my dog there and not have him in the dog park. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's like what I'm trying to do is have dogs that aren't friendly and don't want to be social and just want to enjoy their time at the park on a walk or whatever, that they can enjoy it. And the dogs that want to be off leash can be off leash and enjoy it. I was like, this would actually make it better for you because now you don't have to worry about an off leash dog coming up to you when your dog isn't wanting that, you know? Totally. Totally. Well, that's encouraging. I'm glad to hear that things are moving along and we'll uh, have to check in again and see how, how it turns out and what the progress is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you also about Burning Man because this year Burning Man is different. And I know you've been to Burning Man a handful of times. And I think you even told me that was part of the appeal of moving to Reno, right? Was that you were pretty like attached to the Burning Man community and you liked it. What's the deal with Burning Man this year? So actually, let's take a step even back before that, because everyone knows about Burning Man in Reno. Obviously, we hear about it every year, but there's a lot of people who haven't been to Burning Man and actually don't know that much about the reality of what it's like out there. So can you talk a little bit about what draws you to Burning Man, what you like about it, kind of like the appeal for you, and then what it looks like this year because it's like the the non-Burning Man Burning Man. I guess people are still going out there, but it's not an official event. What's your Burning Man history and, and what are you thinking about this year? How to how to put Burning Man into words, I think, is is always a challenge. I so I was in Key West and my friends would come from Tahoe and they were like, you have to go to Burning Man. Jamie, you're going to love it. This is like right up your alley. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not a festival person. I don't really participate in that scene. I think it's, it's awesome, but it's just not for me. And they're like, it doesn't matter. Burning Man is not a music festival. You have to go. It'll change your life. And people have been telling me this for years till I finally was like, fine, I'll go. And uh, I came to Burning Man and they were right. <laughs> my, my life was changed. I met these amazing people. I saw this lifestyle that I was, I just couldn't believe that it existed on this scale that it existed on. It was just, people had told me so much about Bernie man and there was nothing in words that they could have ever said to prepare me for what it was like that first time I hopped on my bike and rode around the playa. It was just it's massive and, and, and beautiful. And I can't say enough great things about Burning Man, but it definitely is not, it is not a music festival. It, the art is and creativity. I think the the most amazing thing about Burning Man is the creativity of every single person. Like, Every year it'll blow my mind about how amazingly creative people are. Burning Man is, it's interactive. It's whatever you want to make it. I mean, my mom is a, a Southern Baptist Christian and I'm like, mom, you have to come to Burning Man because it's for you and it's for me. And it's, it's literally for everyone, anything there, whether you are a partier or you're whatever your shtick is in life, it'll be there for you. And, and it'll be there in this area that's super magical in the middle of the desert, 
You know, it's just, it's mind blowing. I think everybody should go at least once. I mean, I thought I would go just once and now here I am living close to it just to, to feel the vibe of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've never been myself. And part of the reason is the sense of how overwhelming it probably is like it being a week long and it being far away and it having weird weather conditions and dust and dust storms. Also, I'm not a wild, crazy party person. And I think there's this interpretation of Burning Man as being all about the party, about like the drugs and the music and the too wild for me, for my 37 year old ass. (laughs) But people of all ages go. And like you said, like you want your mom to go that there is something for everyone. So I think that eventually I'll probably have to go out there and find where I would fit at Burning Man and, and see it for myself. But that's always been a hesitation for me is like, is it too wild? But that's encouraging to hear that there's, you know, something for everyone out there. You're you're going to go, Connor. I know that's what I keep saying. You're going to go. Maybe this year you can go. When I first went to Burning Man, I was part of a camp. And the last couple years that I went, I did a, a solo. I camped at walk-in camping. And I wasn't a part of a group. And I actually highly recommend that, especially for your first time. And if you're going this year, go with... I mean, you can come with me or just go with like a few people. Don't be a part of a group. Try your solo thing and just see where you fit, you know, and then you don't have to feel bad. Like I'm not staying to watch the sunrise or dance at RoboHeart. Um, you can make it make it your own when you go yourself. And you asked about this year, the free burning man or the radical burn that everybody is talking about. Yeah. So it's not an official burn. It's the same dates, though. I actually just looked them up. It's August 22nd through September 7th. But people go, and that's another unique thing I think about Burning Man is those are the official times, but people go way before and way after. I mean, normally when I go, I I would go like, you know, around two weeks, I would stay out there. And just because you don't really want to leave, it's it's such an amazing environment. And the playa and the dust and the windstorms that you're talking about is, it's part of the excitement, you know, you're like, feel like you're in Mad Max or something. You get to wear all this cool gear and protect yourself and the elements and you're supplied. Hopefully you have all your supplies, radical self-reliance. And it's, it's just an awesome feeling. Burning Man this year, I think what I read in the RGJ that they're not the BLM set rules for it, where I don't think there'll be any large art structures. I don't think the burn like any burns have to be so far above the playa nothing's allowed to be burned on the playa i don't think they can burn a giant man i'm sure that people will find ways to do that maybe even just metaphorically do you think that it is going to be more similar to what burning man originally was intended to be because i've heard a lot of complaints in recent years again i'm not like a burning man expert but the the general like story that I've heard about Burning Man in recent years is that it's too big. It's overtaken by people with a lot of money and like tech bro criticism. (laughs) Then there's like a lot of like just basically like rich people from the San Francisco area, which is, I mean, where Burning Man started, but that it may have lost some of the original, you know, like the radical self-reliance you mentioned. There's these ideas around Burning Man. It's not just a party. It's got these principles like 10 i think 10 principles or whatever and things like radical self-reliance where the idea is 
you're supposed to be able to take care of yourself. And in recent years, it's been like these big organized camps and a lot of money. Do you think that Burning Man this year might feel a little bit more like what the original Burning Man was or what the the founders intended it for it to be or what some of the old timers feel like they've been missing? Are there people that are super excited about this Burning Man basically because it is kind of throwing off the last few years of what Burning Man became? Yeah, <laughs> I think I think definitely that's what the what I hear most people talking about is like Burning Man is going back to the original roots and it's not going to be as big and and people will have to be more self-reliant and I don't think that they'll be able to bring plug-in plays. I doubt they'll be plug-in plays are what you were talking about with the rich people coming and just being able to their RVs and everything set up for them. And they just come with all their costumes and they're ready to play. Um, I don't think that we will have much of that this year. I'm sure people will bring generators, but there's not going to be a whole production of generators coming that you can, you can pay for and stuff like that. But so, yeah, I, I hear a lot of people, a lot of chatter talking about it going back to the way it used to be. And and when we talk on that, like self-reliance, I know that we talked about it before where no portos um, or porta potties are going to be allowed at Burning Man this year. Or I, they might be allowed, but they can't be serviced, I think was the thing with them. And so we talked a little bit before about like doing the, the bucket, like the poo buckets, um, with kitty litter. And I think it's going to be fun to see how creative people get with this, the self-reliance and, and taking care of their needs when there isn't so much of an organization there. Yeah. It's been kind of funny. I, so I follow a Facebook group about the like unofficial burning man and half the posts are about like, what are we going to do about the poop? And it's been interesting seeing people have all these different ideas about porta potties and where they can get serviced. But at the end of the day, I think most people are doing like a five gallon bucket with kitty litter and, you know, haul it out, that kind of thing. So it's interesting to see this kind of people getting used to the bigger, more expensive, more complicated solutions to things. And then really when it comes down to it, it's like, how do you do it as simply and basically as possible with minimal stuff to haul, minimal coordination with businesses and the the county or whatever it is. Like at the end of the day, you can just use a bucket, right? Yeah, bucket, kitty litter. It's just like when you go rafting on a big raft trip and you have the groover, it, it's the same idea. You pack it in, you pack it out. I I really like the idea. I mean, I we I've gone out to the playa throughout this year. And that's, that's what we did. You just, you have a five gallon bucket with a lid and, and that's what you use. You have two, you have like one for your pee and one for your poo. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it's simple. You keep them separate and then you just take them out with you. Yeah. It seems like kind of a no brainer. And I think earlier, what did I, I called, this is the renegade burn, I think is the other word for it. Not the radical burn, mm. renegade. And I've been calling it the free burning man because you don't have to buy a ticket. Yeah, that's a plus too, for sure. How respectful are people generally of the playa? Because that's one of the concerns that I always have about Burning Man too, is like we get this flood of busted bikes that either are left out there and then, you know, I don't know who gathers them up, but we get like truckloads of them that end up dropped back in Reno. Every dumpster in Reno is just like full of like illegally dumped crap right after Burning Man. Do you think that with a smaller crowd this year, 
and maybe like more dedicated Burning Man types, because I don't think you're going to I think you're going to see more generally like respectful of the playa people going out there this year. So what's your expectation as far as taking care of the land out there and taking care of the city on the way back, that kind of stuff. Do you think that you're going to have a, I don't want to say better, but maybe like a more traditional burning man and maybe more respectful crowd than we've seen in recent years. I hope so. <laughs> or not. I mean, maybe is, is it the other way? I don't, I, I don't, I don't really know. I'm just, I'm curious about how, how it's going to differ compared to previous years when you have maybe a different kind of crowd, a smaller crowd or a more dedicated crowd, but also without the the resources, you know, in the past they've had service for porta potties and they've had, I don't know how the trash pickup stuff works, but it seems like a lot of this is going to be really reliant on people taking the initiative to do things right. Where in the past there may have been, you know, shortcuts to taking care of those kind of things. I, I do. I, I mean, I always hope that. And I think that the more awareness that we give, I know that Burning Man has been sending out emails and they've been giving tips for that exact thing and, and focusing on how to keep the playa beautiful and to remember the principles and the leave no trace and how to do that. Um, you call it moop on the playa. It's, it's matter out of place is all the little pieces. And at Burning Man, when there's an organization, you have an area, especially if you're part of a camp, and you get graded on how little moop that you leave. And so when we leave, when we would leave camp, I, we would have rakes and be going through the playa on our camp looking for like I mean, the tiniest little like toothpicks and like cellophane and and weird little tiny things that you would find in the playa to clean up. And it was super important because we wanted that high grade so that we could get a good placement next year. And that was like the incentive that you got good placement for your camp, the cleaner you were and the less moop that you left. So there's not going to be that accountability this time, which I hope that even without that accountability that people show up because the, I don't, I do think this will be some people's first burn, like your first burn, but hopefully you will be shown the way that like these return burners are going to be like, no, this is the way we do it because we want to do this again. And we want this space. They, I do think like true burners are very conscious and love the playa and they want to take care of it. So Yes, I'm thinking very positively, but you just got me. There are always a bunch of bikes and people do like, that is a crazy thing that I'm always like, how are all these bikes? And I know that there are a lot of bike projects and like individuals that collect them and rebuild them. And, but then you got me thinking when you were talking about the bikes and I'm like, what are people going to do with their shit buckets? Like, what <laughs> are they, are we just going to have like dumpsters now full of these, um, I, I have very little doubt that there's going to be a lot of like private dumpsters that should not be shit bucket dumping spots that will probably oh end gosh, up with so shit yeah. buckets in them. So it's uh, sorry. Sorry in advance, I guess, to all of the waste management people or private landlords or whoever is going to end up with random shit buckets in their dumpster. I don't know. How, I don't know how to solve that. Hopefully. I mean, it would be great if waste management or the city or someone designated a way to like drop your burning man waste free dump days or something. I have no idea if that's part of the plan, but I really wish that there would be a little bit more communication and structure around like, where does the Burning Man trash go once it gets back into Reno? Sure, haul it off the playa. Everyone knows that. That's important. Leave no trace. But, you know, when you get back to Reno, 
I don't know what the the answer is for getting rid of the trash. And I don't know what it's been in previous years, but hey, maybe that's something for, you know, Reno to prioritize or let people know about. Right. I mean, I think you could, I mean, you could monetize it, right? I mean, if you look in like Gerlach and, and these little cities outside of Burning Man, I mean, I pay $5 and I dump all my trash right there and they take care of it. Like my trash never comes back to Reno. Oh, nice. And I mean, those people are making a bunch of money because five bucks, 10 bucks, drop all your trash. And you're like, absolutely. And so maybe there's like a little like poo entrepreneur out there that can (laughs) (laughs) collect all the buckets and, and make, you know, their little hustle. Um, Or if the city picked it up, that would be rad too. Yeah, hopefully something will get figured out. I don't really know what the details are, but... But I do think we should spearhead it. I think that that is, that is actually something. I'll yeah. leave that one to you. You can be in charge of ship like a collection. <laughs> I have enough projects. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, else, what, is, what else did we talk about? So we talked about pedicabs. We talked about the dog rescue stuff. Talked a little bit about Burning Man. Did I miss anything in any of those that you wanted to talk about? What else can we cover? I mean, I, I wanted to touch on the, that I forgot we were going to talk about with the pedicabs and just how important the green movement I think is, and that we're seeing with the fires and climate change. And that this was when I first came to Reno and man, my love of bikes and pedicabs and, and I fell in love with Reno before. I mean, I had been coming here and spending like a few weeks at a time and I loved it. And I I had been searching, like, what can I do? I was living in Key West, but I wanted to live in Reno. Like my family and everybody's like, you are crazy. And I don't know why I was so drawn to this area. And I was searching and searching and searching, like, what can I do in Reno? I was at the hot air balloon festival and I was waiting like for an hour for my cab or an Uber or whatever. And I was like, where are the pedicabs? Like the sun is up. It's getting hot. I'd been dressed in all these warm clothes for the early morning. And I like looked at my friends and I'm like, have you guys ever seen a pedicab in Reno? And everyone's like looking around. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's it. That's it. I figured it out. I'd been driving pedicabs since 2012. And now I'm like, I can bring pedicabs to Reno. And the idea of how important I think these green businesses are right. Like I came, I, my, all my pedicabs are used. None of them are new. Most of the parts on them are used. I try to repurpose as much as possible. I think we talked about this before. Like my bungee cords are old bike tubes. This movement is, is very important to me, even though I know that I'm like a very small dot on this, this giant scale but but that is important and it just becomes more and more important every day when we see this smoke and we're dealing with these effects of not taking care and just buying new and not reusing and this this cycle that needs to stop. Mm-hmm. So that was something I wanted to touch on. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I think that the non-vehicular modes of transportation are really important. And that's why I've you know, I had Kai on the episode to talk all about bike stuff. I'm very big on public transit, just generally getting away from people driving their own cars everywhere that they go. And I think the pedicab thing is this cool combination of it's a way to get around that does not involve any physical activity. If you're a lazy person and you want to just be driven somewhere like you could tell someone get a bike or, you know, go for a walk. But some people are not going to do any of the physical stuff but they want to get from one place to another. And the kind of like win-win of it's like, it's not putting another car on the road. 
It's a new and novel mode of transportation that most people haven't done before. And it's kind of like fun and quirky and new and different. It's exercise for the driver, you know, like the pedicab driver has a job that is physical, that's out in the world, that's interacting with people. There's like all these pluses that come from this as one of the many options of transportation in Reno. And the fact that it is green and good for the environment is huge. And also I know that I don't believe that individual actions can like save the planet unless we all do them, which is a pretty big ask. But I do think there's this visibility of highlighting things like the pedicabs and, you know, even like the electric scooters and stuff, things that aren't cars. And when people see the pedicab out there, that catches their attention and they're like, oh, there is other ways to get around. Oh, biking is not just I have to have my own bike. I really appreciate just the visibility of these non-traditional modes of transit. And I think the pedicabs are a hugely visible thing on the street. Like you can't miss them. And I think that's pretty important that people see that in Reno. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. That's thank you. I, I agree. I, I, I love that. It's such a visual thing and, and such a part of, I want it to be a part of, of Reno. Like I want it, I want this to be a staple where Reno, you can take a pedicab, like Key West, you go to Key West and it's like, Oh, there's pedicabs everywhere. And it's a thing in Denver, you go to Denver and it's, it's a thing. And I want that to be in Reno. I think it adds so much culture and progressiveness, you know, just the view of seeing them and, and what they expose people to in the city is just, I can't say very many negative things about pedicabs. I'm, I'm hooked. Yeah. And, and you're right. And the drivers, I always say the beautiful thing about being a pedicab driver is that you are in everything. You're at every event, you know, all the cool things. You're like the cool kid in town and you wake up feeling great the next day. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, I was at every party I was seeing, I was having fun and I feel great and I was getting in shape and I'm getting paid the whole time. Yeah. And so it's, it's a great career for the right person. And And for anybody, like you can be a person that's down on your luck or homeless or an ex-felon and you have this opportunity to get on a bike and make money with like, you don't have to be able to read or write. I have this awesome opportunity and outreach to really help anybody. Anybody can drive a pedicab if you, if you don't have any DUIs. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, I think I think it's great. I'm so glad that you're doing it here and and, and that you have like a, a fleet of them now and that you're growing and doing well. I think that's a good sign for things to come. How can people book a pineapple pedicab or how to what's the best way uh, besides just seeing on the street and flagging you down for people to follow what's going on with pineapple pedicabs to book a tour? Uh, how can people find you? What's your contact stuff? Pineapple Pedicabs is on Instagram, Facebook, all the socials, Pinterest. Our website's the easiest way to book, and that's www.pineapplepedicabs.com. And Pedicabs is P-E-D-I, like foot, cabs, not petty. Like, there's nothing petty about this. Got it. (laughs) As P-E-T-T-Y. Excellent. So yeah, pineapplepedicabs.com, all the social medias. I'll put links to all that stuff um, when I post the episode as well. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the show. It was super rad to talk to you. I know you're the first person that recognized me in like a Renoites piece of gear. I think I was at Cafe Capello wearing a Renoites hat or something. You're like, hey, are you that Renoites guy? Uh, so, so it's really awesome <laughs> yeah, to actually, exactly it. <laughs> yeah, so it's awesome to actually like have you on the show to talk about this stuff because you're doing really cool stuff in town. I just love that there are people who care so much about 
making Reno an awesome place to live and not just saying that, but doing it, like going out and creating something and, and uh, bringing real value to the city in a unique way. So I'm super pumped that we have pedicabs. I wish you all the best. I hope that all my listeners will hop into pedicab sometime and take advantage of this way of getting around and getting to chat with your driver. And I think that's such a cool thing. So thank you for doing it. Thank you so much, Connor. I really appreciate it. It's been fun chatting with you. Listeners, thank you again for checking out this week's episode of Reno Whites. And special thanks to Jamie Chapman for being my guest on the show this week. If you're interested in booking a pedicab, you can do so at pineapplepedicabs.com or find them on social media. They're on Facebook, Instagram, all the social media. And if you're interested in adopting a rescue dog, Jamie is a good person to get in touch with about that as well. I will put her contact information in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. See you next week. Thank you.